One, I was thinking this morning about one of the things that distinguishes us from many other things in the world is that when we gather together, we sing together. That's an integral part of our worship, isn't it? Is singing together. And when we do that, we, we bring back what the Israelites were even doing. They sang songs um, of worship and praise to God. And so that's, like I say, it's one of the integral parts of worship, isn't it? Would you stand with us as we sing and bring glory to God? welcome you this morning to Garden Way Church. We're so glad that you're here. Our theme today is the glory of God. We'll be talking about that in our message a little bit later, but if you're here today, you're already in the midst of God's glory as God's people gather together. So we're thankful that you're here, uh, or if you're joining us online, we're thankful for you folks out there as well. We hope that today will be a blessing to you as we worship together. Uh, as it is on the first of every month, the first Sunday of every month, we uh, recite together our prayer for 2023. And so the words are on the screen. I invite you to join me for the prayer for 2023. 
Peace go with us, God's quiet within the noise, God's hope within uncertainty, God's rest within the toil, God's presence within our soul, peace go with us. In the holy name of Jesus we pray, amen, amen.
thank you for being who you are to us, for being our Savior, for taking on the cross and dying for our sins. Lord, we celebrate that now with our time of communion and just ask that you are glorified in the meditations of our hearts. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Help yourself to the communion tables as you want. Take this time to spend with him.
Father God, we are grateful to have the freedom to gather here, Lord, as we think about the, uh, the birthday of our country in a few days, Lord, as we look forward to that celebration. Father, we are grateful for the freedom that we have, and Father, we pray that we might use that freedom to express your glory and your goodness to the people around us. Father, we pray that we would be used of you to speak truth in loving ways to the world around us, and particularly here in our community, in our state, and in our country. Father, bless us today as we enter into your word. In these things we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's good to see you all today. We are continuing in our series through the Gospel of John. And today we're in chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you want to take those out and turn them to chapter 12. We're going to be in the, the center part of chapter 12 for most of our time. We're calling today's message In Pursuit of Glory. We talked about that idea of glory being our theme today. A number of years ago, NASA's Orias Rex launched into space. It's the first U.S. space mission to collect a sample from an asteroid. And it's going to return in just a few months here, coming up in September, on September 24th of 2023. And it has material that it collected from that asteroid. The asteroid's called Bennu. And when it arrives, this spacecraft, OSIRIS-REx, will release the sample in a capsule. And it will come down for a safe landing somewhere in the desert of Utah, where I suppose somebody will race out to pick it up. But NASA's hopes are that this pristine material from this asteroid Bennu, just over two ounces of rocks and dust. That's not very much, is it? They've spent millions of dollars to fly out to this asteroid over a number of years to collect two ounces of dust to bring it back here so that the scientists can collect it and use it and study it. And hopefully for them, it will, they think it will be a window into the time uh, when the sun and the planets were forming. At least that's their, their theory and their idea. Now, back in 2016, before the spacecraft launched, NASA announced that they were seeking submissions of art and poetry and other expressions of human creativity to send on this space mission. And so these artistic submissions were all stored on a, a computer chip. They're on, on OSIRIS-REx. And the idea is to seek to inspire America's creatives with the promise of indefinite survival of their artistic works. And so NASA noted that after the mission, only the, the sample return capsule will come back to Earth and, and uh, then the, the spacecraft itself is going to stay there in space. It's going gonna, it's gonna to orbit around in a safe orbit around the sun. Without, and without the weathering effects of the atmosphere, NASA says it has the potential to exist for thousands of years. So you see what's going on here, right? NASA, and I think it's understandable, they made this appeal because who doesn't want 
a longer run of glory, right? Who doesn't want their art to be orbiting out in space for a millennia? You know, I think it's interesting. We kind of chuckle at that. And yet, as human beings, we are created for eternity, aren't we? We all want to feel important in some way in this vast universe we live in. We want to be significant in some way, to feel like we matter. And so people do all kinds of strange things to seek after significance, to matter in some way. In fact, according to, to scripture, there, there's a word for that feeling, and the word is glory, glory. Now, we don't use that word very often in our everyday language, but it's a very important word in the Bible. It's a really important word in the Gospel of John where we're studying right now. Uh, in the Bible, the word literally means fatness or weightiness, but it also refers to significance or importance. And so when it is applied to us, it means that we matter, that we're not just lightweights, that we have some substance to us. And we all want this. We all want glory. In fact, we could even say that we have glory hunger. Glory hunger. We want to feel significant. We don't want just our 15 minutes of fame. We don't want our glory to run out after high school or after college. We, we want to experience glory, even into our 70s, our 80s, our 90s, because we have a glory hunger. Because we all want to know that our lives matter. And that is why there's good news in our passage today from John's gospel because Jesus is going to tell us where to find this glory. Now, many of us kind of wade around through life in what I'll just call puddles of glory, all right? Puddles of glory. We look for praise from other people, the next promotion, owning the latest gadget or car or cool thing, getting our little snippets of fame or attention from others. But Jesus is going to tell us about not a puddle of glory, but an ocean of glory, an endless source of everlasting glory. But it's not where most people think it might be. We could maybe put it this way. We could say, got glory hunger? then meet Jesus at the cross. Meet Jesus at the cross. And so in order to see how and why this all makes sense at all, we're going to look at some sections from John chapter 12. We're going to consider true glory. Now our, our reading is going to start in, in verse 20 or thereabouts, but the story really begins earlier in, in John Jesus, you might remember that story, had just grabbed a, a small donkey and he had rode into the city of Jerusalem. We call it the triumphal entry. And much to the delight of the crowds, roaring for him. People went nuts. They were waving palm branches and shouting and cheering, hailing Jesus as the coming king. And then in verse 19, it says, even Jesus' critics complained. They said, look, the world has gone after him. And of course, that just drove them nuts. That's probably why in verse 20, we see that some glory-hungry guys 
They're called Greeks. These are Gentiles. They come to one of Jesus' disciples and basically they say, hey, can you connect us with Jesus? We, we'd like to meet this, this rock star, if you will, of the day. It appear, appears that they're impressed with Jesus, who looks like he's on a clear path for gloriness, right? Everybody's waving and shouting. And so, Philip, by the way, they probably go to Philip because he has a Greek-sounding name. He's got a Greek name. So maybe there's some connection there. But Philip grabs another disciple, Andrew, and they go to Jesus to say, hey, these Greeks, they want to meet you, Jesus. Isn't that cool? But notice Jesus' response in verse 23. And we're going to read this part of the section together. So let's read these words on the screen from John chapter 12, beginning in verse 23. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. That verse actually is, I'm going to come back to that. We read that twice. But I want to talk about this idea of glory. The hour has come, Jesus says. For the Son of Man to be glorified, to take on his weightiness, to take on his heaviness. This is a good time, it would seem, at first glance. At glance. So it, it seems like he doesn't address these, these Greeks that show up at all. You know, whenever Jesus refers to the hour in the Gospel of John, it usually is a reference to his death. So throughout it, he said, oh, the hour is not here. The time has not yet come. It's not yet my hour. But now he says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then in, instead of talking about how we might normally think of glory, Jesus starts talking about how his life is like a, a, a seed that's going to go into the ground and die. Well, that doesn't sound very glorious, does it? And then in verse 28, in a moment we'll read this section, but in verse 28, God's voice booms from heaven back to show that Jesus is correct. And he says, I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. You see, God the Father will also glorify his name through the death of Jesus his son on the cross. Now this is certainly not what the Greeks had in mind when they were saying, hey, we want to meet Jesus. We want to get in on the glory. They wanted something different. Think of it this way. Maybe, uh, maybe you've ever, have you ever stood just on the seashore on a beautiful evening as the, the sun descends below the horizon on a clear day? It's, it's glorious, isn't it? Or maybe you've been on a, on a mountaintop or a high place as the sun was rising early in the morning. And it's just, what is it? It's glorious. Or you've looked out across a, a majestic forest. 
or a beautiful flower garden in all its splendor. Glorious, glorious. But according to Jesus, there's an even better place to satisfy our glory hunger. And that is by meeting Jesus in his death at the cross. Well, how in the world is that possible? Now, we know what's coming. We know the end of the story. Jesus is going to get beaten. He's going to be stripped naked, strung up on the cross, and then left there to die. That's not very glorious at all, is it? In the world's perspective, that's total defeat, utter failure, humiliation. Yet Jesus says that when the hour comes, he will be glorified. This is true glory in its fullest expression. How does the cross of Jesus show forth the glory of God? How does it do that more than the mountains or the forests or the oceans? It does so as glory is recognized. Glory recognized. Here's how this works. Because it's only at the cross that we see the full brilliance and beauty of God's holiness and his love. The cross is the only place in the universe where we can find two things at the same time. We can find out that we are perfectly known and that we are perfectly loved. And those two things connect at the cross. Let's read together the next section, the the words of Jesus. It begins with in verse 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, the voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Jesus said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Amen. The word of God. Now I want you to notice several things in this passage. First, in verse 31, Jesus says, Now is the judgment of this world. And so it is at the cross that we find the place of judgment. It's the place where sin gets exposed, brought into the light and judged. Notice also in verse 27 when Jesus says, now my soul is troubled. Why is it that he's so troubled? You know, sometimes at the end of a of a movie, you know, a scene at the end of a movie, maybe where it's the, the hero that, that's dying, often it's portrayed in, you know, you know, kind of peace and calm. Maybe they're seeing a vision of beautiful fields and sunsets. But in the Gospels, in fact, in, fact, in all four Gospels, as Jesus faces his own death, do you know what he sees? He sees horror. And it shakes him to the core. He is troubled 
troubled in his soul. Why is that? Why? Well, one answer is this. As Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die for his sins, did he? He died for your sins, for my sins. Many years later, the apostle Peter wrote about this in his letter. He said this of Jesus in 1 Peter 2.24, he himself, Jesus Christ, bore our sins in his body on the tree. You see, friends, all of our badness, our worst, our most secret rotten thoughts and attitudes, our, our selfishness, our lust, all the ways we use people, all the ways we ignore God the Father and spurn his grace, all the, the cruelty of human beings as we cause harm to one another, all of our cowardice, all of our greed, all of that went on Jesus. He bore our judgment. And it is that point, at that point, that we are fully known. Fully known. And how are we known? As sin. But Jesus takes that sin and he bears it upon himself. But also at the cross we see not only are we judged, but at that perfect intersection we are also loved. Look at verse 32. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth. What's he talking about there? He's talking about lift, being lifted up on the cross to die. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. You know, at the cross, it looked like the opposite of glory. It was ugly. It was brutal. But Jesus says, now, on the cross... I will be lifted up so I can draw everyone, everyone, you and you and you and me, all of us. I can draw all of you to me, Jesus says. Look at back to verse 24. It looked like the grain of wheat was just going to get buried and crushed in the dirt. Nothing good, good can come of that, Right? But according to Jesus, what looks like the grain's demise, in fact, is just the beginning of the great harvest. The crucifixion of Jesus becomes the supreme argument for and the major display of God's perfect justice and love intersected. And friends, that is glory recognized. The cross means that we can find glory in something far deeper, much more significant than fickle human praise or achievements or accomplishments. At the cross of Jesus, we hear the exact opposite. You are significant. We can't find that source of glory, an ocean of glory not in all of the wonderful things that we've done for God and others, not because we've achieved God's approval, but only because Jesus died for us. Fully known and fully loved. That is what happened at the cross. Look in verse 32. Jesus says that through the cross, he will draw all people to myself. I don't know if they still do this in elementary school, but I remember using these big horseshoe magnets. You remember those? 
and, and we got to play with that magnet and then a bunch of little tiny pieces of metal. And the same thing happened every time. Those little pieces of metal, you put the, the, the magnet there and what happens? Shoop! They're just drawn right to the magnet. Drawn to the magnet. Now, does this mean that we're all automatically drawn to Jesus as our Savior? No. But it what it does mean is that when we really begin to understand how judgment and love come together at the cross, when that starts to sink in, it draws us to Jesus like metal being drawn to the magnet. It draws us to him. If you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, it is because at some point in your past, you were drawn to Jesus. You felt that drawing power. If you are not a follower of Jesus today, no one at this church can make you become a follower. You have to be drawn to him, and that begins at the cross. You see, Christians are nothing more than people who get continually drawn back to the cross. That's why we meet together regularly, at least one reason, is to be reminded about the drawing power of Jesus. Have you ever been to a fireworks display? We've got 4th of July coming up. What happens when those big fireworks go off? And what does the crowd do? Ooh, oh, look at that. Look at that. I want you to think about that for a moment. When we're drawn to Jesus, it's kind of like that. We ought to be saying, look at God's love for us. Isn't that magnificent? Look at God's love for the world. Wow. Look at God's love for my enemies and all the people that I could care less about. But God loves them. That is magnificent. It's the best fireworks show you've ever seen. And that is where we find our true significance. You see, ultimately, our glory doesn't reside in us. It comes as a gift from the source. The ocean of glory. And that is Jesus Christ, the crucified one. That is our true glory. So what does this mean for us? How does this make our life any different? Look back to verses 25 and 26. Jesus' death provides a pattern for his followers. If we want to be where the action really is, if we want to get in on real glory, to experience true glory, if we want our life to really matter and count for something, then we need to be where Jesus is. Follow him. Follow him. But then what is this? This hate your life talk. What's that all about? That sounds like some kind of warped, really low self-esteem. Like walking around and saying, I'm a really good Christian because I hate my life. Oh, Is that right? Look what Jesus says. He says, hate your life in this world. Now, in the Gospel of John, the world, that word world, is used in two distinct ways. All right? It's, it's used in, in a good way. It, 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 it's a good world. 
in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his son to die for us. But another way that that term world is used is in a negative sense. The world is fallen. It's messed up. It's full of hurt. People hurting one another. Self-seeking people. Dog eat dog. The world, that's the world we live in. That's the ugly world. And so Jesus is saying, hate your life in that world. And when you do, you will find real life. That's when the rockets will start to go off and you'll understand, oh, this is what it's all about. Now I understand. I see the glory. I experience the glory of God in my life. Kelly K. Green wanted to be someone. She wanted to be someone. And so she donned a specially made dress. She chugged a Coors Light for courage. And she ran onto the field at the Super Bowl in February of 2020. Now in her pursuit of fame, Green thought of everything. She selected a seat close to the field. She trained with a physical therapist so that she could stick the landing when she jumped over the barrier to land on the field below. She engaged a lawyer ahead of time and she purchased a Velcro-equipped dress that she could strip off quickly so that she could streak naked across the field at the Super Bowl for her glory for her moment of glory now green wanted to make it to the 50 yard line from her end zone seat but she didn't even make it to the one yard line she was tackled and arrested almost instantly and in that moment she feared that her ambitions of internet celebrity would lead only to a a long cold night in the lockup well after her release though a photographer was waiting She was reunited with her phone. And Green saw her Instagram statistics begin to soar. Her mugshot rocketed around the internet. Followers multiplied, ultimately hundreds of thousands of people following her on Instagram with many eager to pay for videos and pictures that often were at the very least suggestive. Soon came invitations to high-profile parties with celebrities. And Kelly K. Green said this, All of a sudden, I wasn't just the hot girl or the girl that ran on the field. She said, I was a hot Instagram influencer that ran on the field and had worldwide attention. But she also found that that fame had a downside. Green said, fame looks so inviting and so glamorous, but I learned quickly that celebrity events gave me very high anxiety. Being around people who are just asking me continually what I can do and how I can help them, she said. All of these things that Hollywood is and will always be that look so appealing to me just turned completely off. I wanted nothing to do with it. And so Green eventually moved back to Tennessee 
where she says she still has a copy of her mugshot. You see, friends, the glory of this life, it's so fleeting. It's full of promise, but its returns are usually empty and meaningless and sometimes even painful. In the text, though, that we're looking at, there is a true promise, a real promise. In verse 26, when Jesus says, my father will honor the one who serves me. That's another way of saying that the Father will give us the glory that we need. The glory that we hunger for. Now again, all we want is to be honored. We are glory hungry, glory seeking people. And by the way, God made us that way. God made us that way because he is glory and we're made in his image and so we are drawn to the glory of God. And so here Jesus says, you can have it. You can receive it. You come to me and my father will give you honor for free. But there is a condition, isn't there? Jesus says, follow me. You see, we can't cling to this life, right? We can't hold on to the things of this world. We can't say, oh, I refuse to be that seed that gets ground into the ground and dies. I just want God's honor another way. But it doesn't work that way. And so how do we receive that glory? We repent and believe the gospel. To repent simply means a change of heart that leads to a change of action. And so one way that I repent is by identifying those things that I am using to fill my glory hunger. Now, unfortunately, we don't always know where to look to satisfy our glory, do we? Remember that, that country song a while back, looking for love in all the wrong places? It's kind of how we are. We're looking for glory in all the wrong places. Everyone tries to find glory in something. And it's like we're bent towards these things and relationships, our work, our athletic ability, our intellectual ability, our musical ability, our family, our spouses, our significant romantic relationships we long for, our kids, our stuff, our collections. Now, many of these any of these can be good gifts. But the problem is when we turn to these activities or accomplishments or relationships and say, tell me that I matter. Give me glory. Tell me that I'm weighty. Because we long for that. But friends, we repent. We repent by saying, those may be good things. But those are just puddles. Those are just puddles. They might be nice, clean puddles, but they're still just puddles. They're not the ocean. But I've been trying to make them into the ocean, the source of my glory. So when we repent, we say, Lord, I am sorry. I am grieved that I've made the puddles in my life into my source of glory instead of you. And so we change our heart and our attitude and we begin to pursue the ocean of glory that only God can offer. And the next, we have to believe the gospel. 
You see, belief is the action part of our faith. We turn to the one who is the ocean of real glory, a never-ending supply of glory. We turn to him. And specifically, we turn to the cross of Jesus. We look at the one who was lifted up on our behalf. The one who bore our sins. We see ourselves shifting our glory quest away from the things of this world and towards Jesus. And to respond to his offer of glory is to be born again. To start all over again. And the belief response given to us in scripture to do that is baptism. It is a picture of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. And it is the first step of our participation in the glory that he has for us. Friends, we, we are too easily pleased by the offers of this world. May that not be true any longer. May we no longer settle for puddles of glory when Jesus is offering us an unlimited ocean of true glory. Take the ocean. Step into the glory that Jesus offers and experience true glory in its fullest. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful. Grateful for your word and even more grateful for your son Jesus and what he accomplished at the cross so that we could step into glory. Father, your plan is huge and it's magnificent and it is glorious. And Father, your plan makes no sense by the measures of this world. But Father, we thank you that you invited us to step into your plan that rises above the circumstances of this life, the brokenness of this world, the disappointments of the people and the things and the places that this world has to offer. Father, you give us something so much better, something superior, far more glorious than even the greatest things this life has. Father, may we pursue that glory Father, we pray for the strength to take that first step and trust in you, Father, so that your Holy Spirit can help us to take the rest of the steps as we are drawn to you as our source of glory. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in just a moment, we're going to stand and sing our, our closing song. But each week, i like to remind you that our elders are ready to pray with you, to pray for you. This would be a great opportunity to talk with somebody, perhaps if you're considering taking that next step of faith or belief or baptism, wherever you are in that chain and sequence of events, we'd love to help you take the next necessary step as Jesus draws you ever closer to him. If you need prayer for some other area in your life or someone else in your life, the elders are ready to pray with you as well. So we encourage you to make your way back to the prayer corner. I see Joel and Dean are back there ready to pray with you. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song.